All I want is to know Christ in the power that raised him to life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Welcome to our special Easter Brookwood Church Sunday Message podcast. In today's episode, Recognizing Jesus, you'll learn how this occurs by revelation through a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. Here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. title to this Easter message, and we appreciate you spending part of your Easter weekend with us, is recognizing Jesus. And when I say recognizing Jesus, I'm referring to knowing Him. The theme verse, if you can take out your outline, is actually taken from Philippians, not from the Gospels. Philippians 3.10, that CEV is Contemporary English Translation. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. Knowing Jesus, see, is another way of saying having faith, being born again, being changed through an encounter with him. We're going to pick up the story as it's told by the Gospel of Luke, and we'll start at chapter 24. If you're in using this Bible that's available here, I'm on page 850. We begin at verse 13. That same day, which day? Resurrection Sunday, very good. That same day, two of Jesus' followers, now we don't know whether it was two men or a couple, could have been a married couple, were walking to the village of Emmaus seven miles to the northwest of Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. What had happened? Arrest, conviction, and then crucifixion. Now this, these two had likely come to Jerusalem the previous week, the the day we call Palm Sunday, because Passover wasn't a single day. It was a week of celebration. The men were really compelled to come, but very often the whole family would come, at least the couples, married couples would come for, and then Passover dinner was Thursday evening. But these two, they may have stood by the side of the road and waved palm branches shouted, Hosanna, which Hosanna doesn't mean like, please help us as a victim's cry. Hosanna means save now. It's a cry of victory. As Jesus rode in on the back of a donkey, actually it was a, the colt of a donkey. It had never been ridden before and that fulfilled Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. And doing so identified him as the Messiah. Now, his entrance into Jerusalem is referred to by us as what? Triumphal entry. Triumphal entry. You see it in Luke 19. But these victory shouts of, behold, this one's coming in the name of the Lord, and and cries of praise to God, and shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Within a week, turn to violent cries some by the same voices, of crucify him, 
crucify him. Free Barabbas, put him to death after Jesus was arrested and then convicted. So these two, once so excited and optimistic, now they walked slowly home, bewildered, discouraged, wondering how what had looked so promising had turned so tragic. At verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But 16 is an odd verse. But God kept them from recognizing him. You find that strange? Now, not every English translation includes the word God. Um, many do, perhaps even the majority do. But it's, it's implied. Literally, the Greek says their eyes were prevented from recognizing him, meaning the verb is passive on their parts. They didn't refuse to recognize. They were prevented. They were disabled from recognizing who this man was. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Some translations say, what are you discussing in such an animated way? Some writers even say, what are you arguing about so angrily? So, so it may be that they weren't just passively discussing. You know, sometimes when you're disappointed and something turns out badly, sometimes you find people accuse each other. Now, that never happens in your family, does it? And it may have been, this may have been a married couple. You know, I really think it was a married couple. But they, they may have been saying, well, you, why did you cause us to think that he was the Messiah? So they were, at the very least, they were animated. But when he said, what are you talking about so intently as you walk along? They stopped. We would say they were stopped in their tracks. And sadness was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that happened there the last few days. And then look what Jesus said, almost humorous. What things? Now we will see this morning how these two came to recognize who Jesus was. And my hope, my prayer for this morning was that some of us who might be traveling along and not recognizing Jesus may need some help in being able to see him truly. And so this morning I point out just several things that recognizing Jesus includes and doesn't include. First, recognizing Jesus asserts that accepting facts isn't adequate. 
Verse 19, the latter part. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Had they given up? Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them he is alive. Some of our men, which men? Which men? John and one other. Peter, Peter and John. Some of our men ran out to sea. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Well, did these believers at this point believe Jesus was resurrected? I don't think so. The speaker, likely Cleopas, he, he knew that Jesus was a powerful prophet. He'd heard him teach, he was a great teacher, he spoke with not just ordinary intelligence or insight. He actually spoke with God's authority. And besides that, this man could work miracles. They hoped he was the Messiah. But after Jesus was arrested and then convicted and then finally crucified... After Jesus' death, their, their hope died as well. Even then, these women, and these women were, were women they trusted. When these women said that angels told them he was alive, and then some disciples confirmed the tomb was empty, they were still unsure. Not only were they unsure... If you're holding one of these old-fashioned things that has pages, look up to verse 12 in the same chapter, or if you have it electronically, type that in. Luke 24, 12. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again. But look at these four words, wondering what had happened. Now, these two travelers, did they know a lot about Jesus? Did they? Yeah. Were their facts correct? I can see all of y'all. Were their facts correct? Yeah, their facts were correct. But possessing accurate information about him wasn't the same as knowing him spiritually. You know, all of us 
How many of you basically grew up in church? Let me see your hands. Basically. A lot in our church, a lot have and, and a lot have, have not. And we welcome people that didn't grow up in church. But a lot of us did. We grew up in the South. You know, they, you had mamas like mine. You went to church. I mean, you didn't just go to church. You went to church. There wasn't any of this question of how do you feel this morning? Would you like to go or would you prefer to go outside and kick a ball? Uh, get dressed. We're going. And you went to Sunday school. And after Sunday school, you went to church. And then that night, you went to church again to train in union, which they updated it and called it church training. Then you went to church again. And on Wednesday, you went to church again. You went to the sunbeams. Then you went to choir. I went to choir. I can't sing at all. My mama said, you're going to choir. Then we went to royal ambassadors. Then we went to prayer meeting. That was just a typical week. And all of you had some fashion of that. And so there wasn't any question about whether you heard the stories of Jesus growing up, right? And you didn't doubt the truthfulness of it, did you? About his life, about his death, about his resurrection. You know, in fact, a surprising number of American adults believe the facts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Recent surveys, this year's surveys, I've looked at a number of them. What percentage do you think of American adults believe the facts of Jesus' life? Give me a number. 85. Somebody said 85, you said 75. Somebody said 45 over here. 65. Y'all, have, y'all, y'all are more optimistic than the earlier. They must have told you as they walked out. But the, the, the numbers in the surveys ranged from 66 to 72% of American adults believe the facts. Now you say, well, that's good. Well, look at our culture. Look at the moral state of our nation. Do you think 66% of this nation or more are born-again believers? So what that tells us is that knowing, accepting, believing the facts of Jesus' life don't mean that we know him in a saving way. It's a good start, and it's good to bring kids and let them be taught so they have an expectation and awareness of Jesus. I think having some spiritual information is a whole lot more valuable than learning how to kick a ball for their lives. You know, information doesn't equal relationship. A lot of you know a lot of information about celebrities, right? Some of you know all about some sports heroes. You know their birth date, how tall they are, how big their shoes are. Some of you know all these these women, you know, the crazy sisters, what's their name? You know, oh, she's got it. Oh, look what she wore. Oh, look what she almost wore. But you know all about them. You know their names, you know their clothes sizes, you know what all the businesses they have. 
But there isn't a single one of them that would even speak to you in a restaurant. Because you don't have any relationship. The problem is you can know a lot of information about someone and not know them at all. And that includes Jesus. To recognize, to know Jesus, acknowledging Scripture isn't enough. Verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. That's a shorthand way of referring to all the Old Testament scripture. Sometimes it says the law and the prophets or the Pentateuch and the prophets. Explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus explained that the Old Testament predicted the Messiah's suffering. Implying perhaps very strongly, that that Cleopas and his companion should have understood this. Now, did these two know the scriptures about the Messiah? Did they believe them? Do you think they believed them? How about up there in the cheap seats? Y'all think they believed them? They believed him. I mean, I can hear this child, which is my grandson, by the way, yelling that he believes it. (laughs) They knew the scriptures teaching about the Messiah. They believed it fully, but they misunderstood what kind of Messiah, what kind of king, what kind of deliverer he would be. See, they thought he would be a military leader, someone who would deliver Israel from the oppression of Rome not a savior who would die as a sacrifice to deliver them from the oppression of sin. Perhaps these two traveling on the road to Emmaus were blinded to the true significance of the scripture's teaching. What do you think blinded them? their own preferences, their own preferences about what tasks they wanted the Messiah to perform, about what kind of king they would worship and follow. See, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they memorized the first five books. They knew all the scripture, but Jesus rebuked them in John 5, and he said, you study the scriptures You actually memorize the scriptures thinking they'll bring you eternal life. But he said, these scriptures point to me, but you won't come to me to have life. You know, these two on the road to Emmaus, I think their preferences blinded them to the reality of the Messiah. They knew the Bible, but... They didn't let the Bible speak. I wonder if some of us are writing our own version of the scripture. You know, editing out the parts we don't agree with. 
inserting portions that reflect either our cultural or our personal opinions. You know, we hold opinions about, particularly in today, about, about justice and race, and probably most of us would mirror much of what the Scripture says on justice and race. But what about gender? What about morality? What about marriage? You may be surprised at this. The marriage, both Old Testament and New Testament, both from the law given from God and the words spoken by Jesus say marriage is between a man and a woman. And the only place for sex is within marriage, not outside, not before, not additionally. But I wonder if our own opinions cause us to refuse the Bible's teaching on these matters. But do we miss recognizing Jesus, the true Jesus, because we're resisting, refusing, rejecting what he's teaching on these subjects? John 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Now that wasn't a condition of salvation. You know what it was? It was evidence of salvation. Evidence of salvation. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now does he mean that the information will set you free? No, because if you'll remember in John 14, he said what? I am the truth. And the only way to God is what? Is through me. Is through me. See, even knowing the Bible fully, even understanding it correctly, doesn't grant eternal life. Now, hold on. That may shock some of you. We need to know the author of the book personally. It's not Valentine's Day, but let's imagine it was. And one of you finds a wonderful love letter that blew into your yard. And you're reading it, and it's talking about how lovely you are, lovely hair, lovely hips, lovely... Oh, lips, lovely. Oh, I just love you so much, and you are mine, and I can't. Oh, I, and you're reading this, and you're just enjoying it so much. You know, you're enraptured by this letter. So, you, you know, your friend says, what you got there? Oh, I got this love letter that's, oh, speaking of true affection. Well, who wrote it? Well, I, I don't know who wrote it. Well, who's it written to? Well, I don't know who it's written to. Well, then what makes you think it's written to you? You don't even know the author. And reading the Bible as our tool without knowing the author is about, has about the same impact. The book points to the author. And the author invites us into relationship. You see, to recognize, to know Jesus requires us actually experiencing him 
I know that's a little bit of an odd reference. Experiencing Jesus is essential. Verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of the journey. Jesus acted as if he were going to go on. Isn't that interesting? He knew he was, he knew he was going to stay, didn't he? But he goes, well, I'll, I'll see y'all later. Whoa, 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 they begged him. Stay, stay the night with us. It, it's getting late. So he went home with them. So these two, they lived together, so they obviously were either siblings or a married couple. My preference, I think they were a married couple, despite the fact that you see three guys walking here. Um, that's just been what's historically thought. I think it was a married couple. And this hospitality, this invitation wasn't unusual. You know, we, we all know the story of Jesus um, being born in Bethlehem and they were wanted to stay in an inn. That wasn't like a roadside motel. They really didn't have Ends as such, hotels, motels as such. A better translation of that word is a guest room in a house. Because the way people traveling were helped overnight, there was a law, in fact, Old Testament law, that, that really required Jews to invite other Jews into their homes while they were traveling. It was dangerous to travel, particularly at night. So, Hospitality was part of the Jewish law, actually. So it wasn't unusual that they asked him to stay because it was, you know, the threat of robbers was there. So drop to verse 30. As they sat down to eat, this is unusual too. He, meaning Jesus, took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Was it his house? Well, why is he acting like the host? You think it was his bread? Could have been. Could have been he had that loaf tucked under his arm. Or could be that he's just acting the way he acted among all his followers. He broke the bread on Thursday evening for the Passover meal. So he took his usual role among them. But look what happens at verse 31. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. Now, that's a passive verb. It wasn't suddenly they opened their eyes. It was suddenly the Spirit of God opened their eyes. And they recognized him. wonder what else they realized in that instant. And they must have had a lot of questions, but look what he did. At that moment, he disappeared. Sometimes he doesn't intend to answer our questions. Have you noticed that? And they said to each other. This is an interesting verse too. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? What do you think is happening? Here's what I think. And when it's something I think, Chris, what can you do with it? Take it or leave it. That's right. You can disregard it, but I want you to think about it. I think when the Spirit of God is working in you, 
you experience it physically. I think there's a physical manifestation that happens when the Spirit is drawing, the Spirit is working in you. You may not be able to explain what it is. They didn't understand it, but they knew something was happening in them while they were walking down the road with this man and he was talking about the Scriptures. There was some kind of spiritual stimulation happening. Charles Wesley, who was a pastor for years before he actually experienced Christ and was born again, And he said that in a meeting, his heart was strangely warmed. Do you remember when that happened to you? I think it comes in different forms. I think some people, when they're born again, and I think you can be born again very young, because it's a work of the Spirit. It's not a work of, of human logic. I think you can have this overwhelming washing of peace. I think you can have this relief from sin inexplicably. I, I didn't have that. What I had was this crushing conviction of sin. I think you can have that too. Because the Spirit's gonna do what needs to happen in you to give you new birth to regenerate you. I mean, how could that happen and not be anything you experience when your entire life is changed, when your view of life is now no longer the same? Now, this pair knew the facts of Jesus' life. They'd even heard evidence of the resurrection. They they knew what the Scriptures said about the Messiah. They were confused at some points or they overlooked some points they didn't really like. But they didn't recognize him, which means they didn't know him until they had a personal experience, an actual encounter with him. When the Holy Spirit opened their eyes. You remember that day? You can't deny it. That encounter is so real, that's why you can never walk away from Christ. Because you are different. John 17. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you. Doesn't it say to know the facts about Jesus, to know all the Bible? Where's that in there? to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, it's interesting. The the English word know is translated from a Greek word, gnosko. And what gnosko means is literally to know a person through direct personal experience, intimate experience, that begins a continuing interpersonal relationship. It's not a one-off. It's the doorway opening. 
And it does not mean learn about. It's not cognitive information. It's an experience with a person. You tracking with me here? Totally different. Not many of us were saved when we first understood these facts. I really think that's why a lot of people believe there has to be a second blessing because they knew the facts about Jesus at a young age. So they called themselves Christians and then something dynamic happened later. And they, their theology didn't give them any other explanation. I think they knew the facts, they even knew the scripture and then they had the experience with a person. That's called regeneration. That's called being born again. And this recognition of Jesus occurs through a revelation of truth, but it results from an encounter with the Spirit. That's why they said their hearts were burning within. Can you remember when your heart was burning? This encounter provides a conviction about the true identity and person of Jesus. You you can't be talked out of it. You know, I have four grandchildren. One's commenting on my message this morning from over here. You can't, I can never doubt I have those children. I've held those children in my arms. I've been thrown up by them. I've changed diapers with them. It's a reality. And when you encounter Christ, you can never deny it. You can never walk away from it any more than you could deny your own child. Have you had that experience whereby you came to know him? I knew all the facts about Jesus. I don't, I don't view anything differently today about Jesus' life and death and resurrection than I did when I was a child. I believe the Bible the same way. I believe the Bible was true then. I believe the Bible's true today. But something happened when the Spirit of God flooded me, first with conviction for my lifestyle, and it became undeniable. When that happens, there will be evidence that it has occurred. It'll alter your direction. Verse 33. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Was it night? They're going back in the dark at a dangerous hour, probably running back. What do you think? And it wasn't next door and it wasn't a block down. It was seven miles through wilderness. And they were walking, probably running, jogging at night. And in Jerusalem, they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said to them, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Remember, I showed you that Peter wasn't sure what had happened when he looked in the tomb and saw the linen strips. But somewhere outside of the scripture, Jesus actually appeared 
to Peter personally. Acts tells us that. And Peter was convinced. These two couldn't wait until tomorrow. They had something they had to say. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. See, when we recognize Jesus, when we're born again and when we're spiritually transformed, our direction is altered. We're spiritually changed, transformed. It alters our lives. And it provides us a story to tell. And that story is our experience with Christ. Are you telling your story? See, I think when you have a story, you have to tell it. And it may cause you to seem odd to people, and that won't even matter. That won't even matter. You know, when I was born again as a senior upstairs in an old house in Statesburg, Georgia... I had a story to tell. Unfortunately, most of my stories started with an apology because I had all these fraternity brothers, all the, and they knew that I knew everything there was to know about the Bible and Jesus and all that and lived in the world. And I had to start my story that I had misrepresented faith in Christ and had misserved those people. Because I gave them confidence they could live like they would and they'd be fine in heaven. They looked to me for that. I hope you don't have to start your story the way I had to. But you have a story to tell. You say, well, I don't yet. I'm still on that road and that's okay too. God may have you in process, but are are you making progress? Do you know about Jesus? That's a place to start. Do you understand the Bible? Have you embraced it? That's another good step. You say, but I need the personal experience. Ask for it. Ask for it. Imagine you're grabbing a hold of God and you will not release him until he opens your eyes. You can start today. We'll have counselors here at the front. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They will start a relationship with you to help you walk this Emmaus Trail. There'll be someone over in the Care Connection Room if you want to speak privately to someone about this. There's not a better time to recognize Jesus than Easter. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, show us whether we can truly see spiritually. And Lord, if we discover to our horror that we can't, I pray that you would open our eyes by your Spirit. Give us a story to tell and the courage to tell it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. I hope you find all the eggs. Thank you for coming. That certainly is a very good question. Are you telling your story? You'll notice in the discussion guide for this week that our spiritual practice is this. To reflect on the idea that Christianity is more of a journey than an event. So aim to talk with God continually this week about your journey. 
In our next episode, we'll begin a new series titled, Remember. To prepare, read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org, or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you like the podcast, please leave a review so others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.